because it'd be super comic nerdery, but the, the, there were some people you left off your list. <laughs> <laughs> With adamantium skeletons? <laughs> they can't do the, the two three two or the or the two two one that they do here. It'd be like the two three two would become the two two one one one. What are the Mets doing? And welcome to episode number 147 of Artificial Turf Wars, where we give our World War II veterans cushy office jobs, just like the New York Mets. I am your host, Greg Wisniewski, and I am joined by my good friend, Joshua Howsom. Josh, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing just fine. And you? Good. We've outlasted Bob McCowan on the radio. <laughs> he might have had a bit of a head start on us, but you know, we'll take it. Technically correct is the best kind of correct. That's what I always say. Uh, we have a week for the Blue Jays. I mean, it doesn't include any good things in the winning department, but um, uh, Lord Escurial Jr. is hot. Uh, Rowdy's hitting home runs. Cavin uh, uh, Biggio is not just walking. He's also hitting for power. Uh, regrettably, Aaron Sanchez is still bad and marcus stroman looks a lot like the pitcher we've gotten to know over the past four or five years uh vlad jr we thought he might be hurt he's not so hurt uh edwin jackson he's hurt justin smoke he's hurt uh mr giles uh, is less hurt and then there's some uh, questions from you and then there's this great question of what the heck tampa bay is going to do if they play half their games in montreal which even when i say that out loud doesn't make any sense <laughs> and uh yeah, other assorted sundry items uh, from uh, a do-over related to the umpires union, which is not someone I don't think we've given a do-over to before. Uh, where shall we begin with Lourdes Gurriel Jr., Josh? He mashes. <laughs> so I saw one of the stats. Now, this was earlier in the week, but he had the second highest OPS in, was it in baseball or in the American League? over what time period because he definitely since, doesn't have either of those things in general since his return from from the minors he had like a 1200 ops oh well yeah i mean he's been just a monster since coming back he, and he is in the home run in this game which we're recording in the middle of the, it's five to three at the moment and yeah he, he, he has a single and double as well just for good measure yeah he's got he's got nine home runs since coming back <laughs> where was he in april um, not in the outfield, which was part of the problem. Obviously. So this is, this is good. I I mean, we know he's streaky. How streaky is he? Go well, very. I mean, yeah. the, the nature of his swing happy ways, as we said, is always going to keep him streaky, but he is walking more. Now he's got seven walks over those 24 games, which, you know, that's not a lot, but it's better than he did, <laughs> you know, last year. <laughs> You know, I think that would work out to about 45 to 48 walks in the season. I mean, that's not bad. No, I don't think Kevin Pillar ever ever reached those lofty heights. Oh, okay. Well, that's your standard. <laughs> that would be very bad. But you know, the power is, is the thing that's of note, right? Because you, know, you look at Lourdes Gurriel when he came up, he, he, you didn't really think that he was going to be a power threat. I mean, that's just not, not how he was billed. And, you know, he, he maxed out at, uh, he didn't hit for power at all in the minors, really. I mean, I was going to say he maxed out, but he maxed out at five. You know, it's not, it's not, it's not a lot. And, you know, even when he was in Cuba, he was young, but he, the most he hit was 10. Yeah. That, that's not your, you know, 60 power profile scouting kind of thing. That's, that's below average of anything. Yeah, I mean, they, you know, they, they, it was in fifty some odd games in in uh, in Cuba, but I, I think that this is part of what we're seeing with the growth, you know, physically, obviously, because he's getting getting older and he's getting, obviously getting a little stronger. But you know, and but just the maturation too, because like his launch angle has gone up over three degrees this year. So there's a concerted effort to hit for more power. Which in today's game, as we've discussed, I feel like ad nauseum is super important because that's the way that that everybody is is getting their production is by getting the ball up in the air. 
So if you're joining that train right now, that's the place you want to be. Yeah, and if you look, even if you're comparing it to last year, and this is over the course of the whole season for Guriel, you know, his hard hit rate is actually slightly down. Um, his exit velocity is slightly down. But the walk rate is more than doubled, and the launch angle has gone up, so the ball's leaving the park. It, it's pretty it's, good. Yeah, it's it's the direction you know you can afford things to go in uh, on the on the downside, and the direction you really want things to go in on the upside. And we're going to talk about another player, I think, who has found that stroke in a couple of minutes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but just before we before we get on there, though, I mean, and the defense has been actually very good in left field. Yeah, he's got now outfield assists are not the you know the be all and end all, but he does have four in in fairly limited activity there. So. Um, he he has he hasn't regressed uh while he's learning on the job no and you know his he's got an arm which he's shown off a couple times uh, you know he hasn't actually thrown guys out but there was a play in i believe it was yesterday's game i was at both yesterday's game and the day before we're recording this on thursday which were neither of them was a particularly good game where he made a throw in from the deep left field towards the plate and it one hopped the plate there was the runner wasn't going, but it was a, just a tremendous throw. And you know, if he can play a good left field with a good arm and hit the way he is, and we've said this before, but this is really, really important to their rebuild because there's no outfielders. Yeah, you you need everyday players, and they've tried a bunch of guys out there every day, and they've done jack. Right. So. Like, this is something that it's absolutely worth watching throughout the season. Yes, as we talked about, he's streaky. He's going to have some cold spells. But if the power and patient gains, patience gains stick through the year, I think the Jays may have found their regular left fielder. If not, then, well, he goes to the utility role that they thought he would be. But I'm confident at this point. Yeah. And, and again, th- there's going to be a, a valley here. But I think if... Uh... If you see him maintain his focus, that he's going to come out of that valley naturally, uh, offensively, rather than having to be kicked in the butt every time. Yeah. All right. So the the second guy hitting bombs, the only and he hit two in one night before we recorded this, so he gets bumped up our list. Is uh, Rowdy Tellez? Yeah, it's, it's poor poor Tellez. You know, he hit. Two home runs, and they were the two weakest home runs of that game because <laughs> Trout and uh, Upton both hit absolute monster home runs. Uh, like I feel like whenever we play the Angels, there should be a pause for Mike Trout segment in in our podcast. I, I know it usually only happens, you know, two series a year, but he's just so much better than anything the Blue Jays have rolled out there in the last. Four or five years, right? Like, okay, but he's so much better than any, than anything anybody's rolled out there in the last four or five years. But I mean, you, you can you can look at at peak Josh Donaldson and you can compare him to Mike Trout. You can't say he's better than Mike Trout, but you can say, okay, these guys are in the same kind of MVP conversation. But you're right, Mike Trout is there every single year. It's just unbelievable how good he is as a player and it's he just seems so unassuming like he just look at me like well he looks like a normal human being like he doesn't look like a monster but he's he looks pretty big in person he's a he's a big dude yeah but does he look bigger than albert pujols well uh, he looks stronger than albert pujols i don't know if he looks bigger fair um but he just uh yeah he doesn't uh he doesn't strike you as oh this this guy here could be the best um hitter baseball player who's who's ever lived by the time he's finished just unreal like cuz when i think of griffey junior right i think of a very specific sort of uh posture and a a very specific swing and everything else but when i, I think of mike trout i just think wow he just does everything great that's true <laughs> everything he is very much like that he's just really good and that's about all you can say yeah um but back to rowdy <laughs> yeah back to poor rowdy tell us who yeah uh he got he got out homered by mr Trout, but that's okay <laughs> no 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 he he, he you know, just in distance he, he's hit the same hit the same amount he hit the same amount of home runs he didn't uh he, he drove in slightly less as well uh because the blue jays pitching is crap it doesn't matter if you you homer two times in a game um 
you're you're probably working in a lost cause regardless yeah uh, uh but the thing with rowdy that's interesting is he hasn't walked in his last 14 games that's a bit awkward yeah, it's a problem. I mean, the the power is obviously there. He you know he had two yesterday. The second one, he just like threw his bat at the ball and it went over the fence. Uh, but we, we've talked about this. I mean, he he has power. There's just no arguing against that. He can hit the ball out to out of any part with not much difficulty. But the strikeouts are still piling up, and the walks have gone away. There, he was walking a decent amount in the early parts of the season, and now he's not. And you know that's something he's going to have to get back because he doesn't make enough contact to get by without it. Would you like the good news? He walked tonight. Hey, good for him. <laughs> One walk, start of a trend. That's how I feel. Hey, he broke a 14 game streak, so I'll take it. Exactly. Uh, so guy number three is Kevin Biggio, who also has suddenly, uh, Reverted from uh, walking being the only good thing he does, which he still does more than anybody else on this team, albeit in not as many plate appearances, um, to actually hitting home runs. He's got five. Yeah, so we were talking, I think it was the last podcast, we were talking about how BGO, you know, the patience had been there. We'd seen him taking walks, which is he's known for. But we hadn't seen the the power that he was you know, supposed to bring to the table and that he, you know, like he was doing since the beginning of last year in double A. And then he's had four home runs since then. <laughs> I guess it was two podcasts ago. But yeah, he's he's been great. Yeah, I mean, two home runs a week would be uh, make any baseball player happy. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah, we'll just keep plugging away two per week. We're good. Um, yeah, it, it means at the moment, again, um, you know, he's, he's only got 81 plate appearances, but he's, he's got uh, the second highest isolated power on the team. If yeah, and as long as he does this, right? Because when we were talking off air about what we're going to do, it's like that you were saying it's like a three to outcome player isn't a bad thing. And it's not as long as you're contributing in the two that really matter. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you, know, you need to be top of your team at least and, and somewhere in the top of the league in walks um or in home runs to to really be contributing as a three true outcome player yeah and you know and you need to hit for like a substantial amount of power if you strike out as much as biggio does and you know like you can't be chris davis right who is a three true outcome player but you know one of those outcomes really outweighs the other two (laughs) yeah he's, he's drowning in those k's Although he's not nearly as bad as everyone thought he was at the beginning of the year, to be fair to Chris Davis. Well, it'd be hard to be that bad. <laughs> yeah. But, but anybody who stuck but, a fork in him is only slightly premature. Yeah, so with, with Biggio, though, it'll be interesting. Oh, try that again. It'll be interesting to see where he ends up on the diamond because they've been playing him in the outfield a lot, second base, first base. He's not really that good at any of them. Well, that's yeah, what everybody says is like, okay, give him a position. What What is he doing out there? Yeah, uh, well, he's trying to learn and they're trying to find one that works for him, I guess. But, uh, you know, he's got, he has to find one eventually because he doesn't have enough of a bat to be a DH. Especially since teams always have, have um, the option of grabbing a DH anywhere they want if they want a full-time one and also rotating guys through that dh position which really eats into your at-bats if you don't have a defensive position yeah and you know you can hide a guy a bit at second base teams do it now but if it it really depends on the infield and the rest of the the way around the diamond because if you got vlad third vlad sound like said vlad (laughs) but yes vlad at third and bichette who's not really known for his defense at short and Biggio at second, and Rowdy Tellas at first. <laughs> you better sign flyball pitchers. Yeah, yeah. You could. It's just like the gradual erosion of of the uh, the defense as you go around the diamond. You're like, oh, well, he's he's a little less than. Oh, he's also a little less than. Is anybody going to cover this ground that these two guys are not? Ma- no, no one's going to do it. Oh, we have a problem. Yeah, you, you you do need a couple of plus defenders somewhere out there. Uh, at least part of the time um, to, you know, help out your guys who are getting 
a million ground balls, which uh, is, you know, Marcus Stroman still after all this time. Ooh, good segue. Yeah, because Marcus Stroman is still pitching well. Not a knock on him, but you, you observe that a lot of things that are happening. Oh, sorry, I'm watching Joe Biagini give the lead back. My bad. Um, <laughs> okay. Sorry, you observe that Marcus Stroman is still pitching well, but uh, reminding you of uh, Marcus Stroman of yesteryear. Yeah, so thankfully he actually went away from this yesterday. But so Marcus Stroman, he started off, we talked about this, like the throwing all these sliders and getting all these strikeouts, especially in April and, well, technically in March too. His first six starts of the season, he was great. He was striking a lot of a lot of batters. And then he had three rough starts, two two particularly bad ones and one that was not great, but okay. Six and a third, four runs, three earned. That's pretty solid. But after that, he decided, I don't know if, if he decided or someone decided that this new style wasn't working. And he went back to sinker, 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 sinker. Now, not quite to the same degree as previous years where he was throwing 60 some odd percent of his pitches being sinkers, but still being the dominant pitch, whereas in these previous nine starts, he was not doing that. Right. And and it and made him the ground ball pitcher we all know, and I'm not sure if we love, but we all know. Yeah, the ground, the ground ball pitcher that when he's keeping guys off bases is great, but he's going to find some flukily, flukily bad games because ground balls find holes and that you know the ball in play is more likely to be a base runner than a ball not in play by funny, a funny pretty, that. pretty significant margin <laughs> yeah now in his last start though sorry just to finish the thought here mm-hmm. against the angels where he went seven gave up three you know all the runs they scored were on two home runs he was 40 percent sliders and 27 percent sinkers and he, and he pitched very very well so hopefully he can start mixing more of those in again because he had a, a quite a lengthy string of games where he wasn't doing that. And of course, what we don't know with Stroman is if um, he has had some, you know, finger slash blister issues last year. So we don't know if the slider is a, a pitch that irritates that. And maybe he's, you know, he's shied away from it because of that on a particular start and then liked his results or whatever. Like we, we really don't have that second level visibility as to why he's changing his pitch mix maybe there's you know maybe it's it's a results oriented thing or maybe it's a feel oriented thing yeah i I would be less inclined to think it's a feel thing because he's still throwing enough of them it's not like he's junked them completely like aaron sanchez did with his curveball when he was having problems so Mm -hmm. i don't know I, i think that it's still very much just him making changes or the team making changes for him and yeah, you know, I just I hope that last night becomes back the trend because when he misses bats, he's so much better. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, Aaron Sanchez needs to get better. I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah, he he's not looking like he's worthy of a rotation spot at the moment. Well, no, not the, that they have other options. I was going to say the good news is the bar for a rotation spot is now. Uh, you just have to be slightly better than Edwin Jackson, whose ERA is a. Round 12. Is that good? I can't remember if that's good. Well, it's good if you're an opponent of the Blue Jays and you see Edwin Jackson on the list. (laughs) (laughs) Now, to throw a little cold water on all of this stuff, more so, I suppose, I don't see how Aaron Sanchez gets back to whatever we're hoping. Because, you know, he hasn't, He's hit 97 miles an hour once since his sixth start of the season. In 2016, when he was incredible and when he was a contender for the Cy Young, he failed to reach 97 miles an hour twice. Over the whole season, he had two games where he did not reach 97 miles an hour with a pitch. I, I think that the actually this last stretch of games is the the end of Aaron Sanchez as a starter now maybe not for this team you know maybe he finds greener pastures somewhere else because i and i don't think the blue jays are going to get anything for him i'm just saying um that as a perhaps in the bullpen there's still a a valuable aaron sanchez but i think he's proven over and over uh 
unfortunately, that even when able to pitch, he cannot get the number of outs that he needs to get in order to be effective. Uh, There was a Sportsnet personality, and I did not save the tweet, and I should have, who noted that since 2016, since that excellent season where he won the ERA crown, if you total up all of his innings and everything, um, you get a guy who's thrown about 235 innings or 240 innings and to an ERA of five even. This is this is who he is. Well, I mean, I don't think it's really reasonable to put his injury season's stats together because... Yeah, I, I understand. He was, you know, injured at, in, during some and of it, those starts. But And it, it, was, it was Keegan Matheson who tweeted that, by the okay. way. He's not with Sportsnet. My bad. Um, I still don't think he's a guy who can get an, his ERA consistently under four, which I think really is what you're looking for in anyone who's near the, the top of your starting rotation, right? Well, yeah, and the, and the reasons for that are his lack of velocity. You know, look, Aaron Sanchez, even in his great season, was not a command specialist. You know, he had the lowest walk rate of his career, and you know that you know that's significant. Mm-hmm. But also, you know, when when you throw as hard as he was throwing, you get away with a lot. You know. Uh, it's a lot easier to square up a ball that's over the middle at 95 than when it's over the middle at 99, even if they're both moving. And th- and that's been the difference, I think, that he, you know, he's, even in that 2016 season, he made a lot of, he threw a lot of balls over the middle of the plate because his command just was never great and it never will be great. But at, at that velocity and with his movement, he was still a true outlier, outlier and tough to hit. He's not that anymore. And, you know, he, if you can't get away with mistakes, you need to have command. And if you don't, you don't have command, you need velocity. He doesn't have either one. So he needs to either find his velocity, which there's no reason it should be gone, right? He's not, he doesn't have an arm injury. Or he's, yeah, I think he's in trouble. Which is why I think that the bullpen is a place that that he's going to get a lot of opportunities from somebody because he has a couple of very good pitches that if he added a couple of miles an hour to the fastball, which seems to happen to a lot of people in the bullpen, um, would suddenly uh, let him back into that margin of error you were just talking about. Yeah, I, I'm not as confident that a move to the bullpen will solve that for him, though, because I'm talking about max velocity, not not even average velocity. And I think that you know, guys' max velocities from starters to relievers don't move to the same degree. My money is still on shorter outings and him worrying less about what's happening with his fingers because I think I think that's still something that's in his mind, if not you know physically affecting him from start to start, um, that he could he could really let loose and grip the ball the way he wants to grip the ball if he knows he's only throwing twenty pitches. I still don't think that should affect velocity, but sure. <laughs> we didn't think that his fingernail, or you didn't think his fingernail on the finger that he lost it on should come off, but it did. <laughs> So he's doing something weird. <laughs> sure is. Uh, okay. So that was Sanchez. That was Stroman. And now we get into the injury report. Hooray. Uh, Vlad Jr. got hit on the hand, which that can be horrible news. Yeah, it knocked Boba Shed out for two months. Yeah. But it did not knock Vlad because he has an adamantium skeleton. <laughs> Little known fact. Yeah, I believe that. Yeah, Wolverine and Vlad, just them two. Uh, yeah, it's always it's super scary to see a guy leave the game after getting hit on the pitch, hit by hit in the hand by a pitch. If I could spit that out, uh, so I'm super happy that what did he miss two games or something like that? Might have even only been one. Yeah, um, I don't know if he's hit a bomb since he uh, hasn't. Yeah, but but he's still. You know he's back, and in, like in yesterday's game, he hit a rope double. He got a ball off the end of the bat and hit it to the gap in the fe- at the fence. He's a funny kind of player sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so I think his hand is fine. Right. Uh, by the way, it's good. I'm not going to go into the depth because it'd be super comic nerdery. But the, the, there were some people you left off your list <laughs> <laughs> with adamantium skeletons. Yep, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know 
You know I'm putting this clip at the front now that we... <laughs> Perfect. Um, yeah, but, Vlad, you know, Vlad is the only thing that keeps even half the people going to the games right now, I believe. So <laughs> him getting hurt would be really disastrous. Yeah, well, Kawhi Leonard showed up tonight. So maybe if he could promise to show up maybe once a week until training camp starts again, they could keep, keep people going out at least that often. If... <laughs> If Kawhi Leonard promised to go to like, certain games, you know, whatever the scheduled games, they'd probably get 25 plus thousand people at those games. <laughs> yep. For reasons I cannot quite fathom, but hey, it, 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 it championships are a funny thing. Uh, they have an effect on people. Uh, continuing with the injury report, because I've gotten away from that there. Uh, Edwin Jackson, uh, he described himself as a uh, horse fertilizer or his pitching, um, since he came to the Blue Jays. And in celebration of that, he ended up on the injured list. Yeah, with back problems. Is he sure it's not like whiplash from turning around? <laughs> <laughs> well, I looked up his home run per nine. I had it up, and I was like, really? Is that a real number? Uh, where did it go? Home run per nine. Four. Four. 4.26 home runs per nine. Just just think about that number for a little while. That's, <laughs> That's his, unreal. His home runs per nine would be a mediocre ERA. Um, you don't want to give up that many walks per nine. Like p- People are like, man, you got to cut down on the walks if you have 4.26 per nine. No, no. He, he skips past walks. He just lets them round the bases entirely. The <laughs> <laughs> well... There in that game against the Angels, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, earlier in this series, the the Blue Jays' Derek Law started the game, and the Jays had a lead. Uh, Kevin Biggio, one of those home runs we were so happy about, right? And <laughs> then Edwin Jackson gave home runs to was it the two, first two batters he faced? <laughs> the first two, three pitches, three pitches in, he had given up two home runs. And then he gave another one later in the inning when he... <laughs> Just before his up. face melted off and he had to leave the game. <laughs> yeah, he got uh, he got one out, a fly ball to the fence. Oh, no, he got a ground out too, so he got two outs. Good job. And he gave up seven runs. Yeah. Uh, the opener cannot save Edwin Jackson. The injured list can. <laughs> yeah. Because you, you know what? <laughs> They're giving up probably fewer runs per game with him on the IL than they are with him on the mound. So normally that would be a joke, but that's actually a mathematical truth in this case. This is how yeah. bad it's been. And the thing uh, was, it, you know, he knows it's been this bad. It saved him probably. He's probably making some extra money because I'm pretty sure he was getting released if he wasn't injured. They're paying him two million dollars this year. He has a guaranteed really? contract. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, that it's, that came up on Twitter as well, and I was like, "Man, that is not. I don't think how you want to spend the two mil." But yeah, it's done now, isn't it? Yes. Uh, another guy who's hurt, Justin Smoke. Yeah, that one matters a bit more. Yeah, because uh, this is the guy we were going to trade, isn't it? I don't know. I mean, we we talked about this before. I don't know that Justin Smoke. There's much of a market for him. Because not a lot of teams that are contenders need slugging first baseman. Yeah, fair. Still not good for poor Justin. What What is the nature of his injury? I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, put you on the spot. I feel like it was also like back related, but now I, are you typing madly uh, away? Yeah, he was placed on the injury with a quad injury. Oh, a quad. Yeah. And I do remember them saying that they don't think he'll be out that long. But, you know, like, this is just the worst time. If you are looking to showcase guys for injuries, you want them playing through June and July. If they're going to get hurt, get hurt in April or August. Yeah. Now, that does open up an opportunity for Kevin Biggio um, to play first or Rowdy Tellis to get more bats and other guys to rotate through DH. So in the the context of, you know, overall play, it's not the worst thing, the worst guy who could have gone down. No, actually, for the reasons you just said, I think if anybody was going to get hurt, he was probably the one they would have wanted just because, you know, let them see those two guys for extended periods because they've been sort of 
shuffling them in and out and then Drury some games with Vlad and, and you know they're because they've got all these guys for the for basically four spots. Mm-hmm. So cutting one down and maybe Drury might go to the minors. They actually suggested that could happen. Uh, that would really <laughs> ease some of that logjam. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and then I guess we, we finally get to talk about something we want to on the injury report, which is uh, 100 Miles Giles is back and throwing on a mound, correct? He's back on the active roster. Oh, they, they brought him back tonight? Yeah. I missed that. I, I heard yesterday. I was like, oh, he may be back this, this weekend. I guess weekend no, came early. <laughs> he was activated. Justin Schaefer was sent down. Sweet. So there we go. We got a closer if ever they enter the ninth inning with something resembling a lead. As of this recording, they are up five to four going into the seventh. Yeah, although the efforts to give that lead away have been concerted by the, the Blue Jays pitching staff. <laughs> Actually, it's still the bottom of the sixth. They've got two guys on, so theoretically they could add to it. Yeah, anything is possible here now that Clayton Richard, whose ERA keeps hovering around seven and a third, is out of the game. Hey, that's five runs better than Edwin Jackson. Which, again, would be funny if you were trying to make a joke, but it's a literal mathematical (laughs) mathematical truth. (laughs) So this doesn't qualify as the it's funny because it's true. It's sad because it's true? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That's how it goes. Oh, well, uh, do you want to talk about Tampa and Montreal as sister cities after we take questions? Sure. Okay, so we'll be right back with your questions and some real nonsense out of Tampa Bay right after this. Yes, we have returned from that brief respite. I hope all of you have taken an appropriate breather uh, because now we're going to answer your deep and probing questions. Time now to hear from our listeners. That just seems silly. Here are the rules. First I ask a question, then you ask a question. Then how does that sound, sweetheart? Could you repeat the question, please? All right. Our first question is from Jarrett S. at JRod19. If anything happens with this Tampa Montreal thing, would it be a positive for baseball in Canada or come across as too much of a gimmick? So actually, yeah, I thought we'd discuss that later. We're going to discuss it now. Explain the Tampa Montreal thing in 500 words or less, Josh. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so a story came out today that was reported by Jeff Passan first that the Rays have re- received permission from Major League Baseball to explore a plan where they would play home games in both Tampa and Montreal. Which, that was how it was originally put out. And people were like, what? This is kind of crazy. And then the actual details of how it would work came out, where both teams would have to build new stadiums. Stadia? Stadia. Uh, stadiums. Yeah. And... That's just not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, the idea would be that they would play early season games in in Tampa and then later season games in Montreal where the weather is better in they, both ways because it's way too hot in Tampa in the summer, which is why they have to have a dome. This just seems like an idea if, if I had to, you know, suss it out. Uh, well, number one – th- I agree with people who had the assessment that this is a great way to set up the fleecing of the Tampa Bay taxpayer and or the taxpayer in a third mystery city that will belly up for a stadium at some point. Yeah, I think the idea is to fleece the Tampa taxpayer. Yeah. Uh, But number two, this is also uh, like the slow news day. How many jokes can we pump out of what appears to be a legitimate news story type story? If you ask me. I, I enjoyed the the attempts at the team names. I really like the Snowbirds. Yeah, uh, I like the deal where uh, you play on um, on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays in Tampa, Tuesdays and Thursdays <laughs> in Montreal. On alternate weeks, you switch weekends for. Yeah, <laughs> someone had the the they picked a town somewhere on the eastern seaboard of the united states where every all the players would live so that they had an equal commute distance to work 
<laughs> so what, somewhere in like North Carolina? Yeah. <laughs> West Virginia, something like that. It was like, oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Like what player would be like, oh, yeah, man, I'm going to sign a free agent contract where I, you know, it's bad enough. I'm only home for 80 games a year. I think uh, I would like to. <laughs> I would like to have two houses where I'm only home for about 40 days a year. Now, the Rays don't sign free agents anyway, so that's not much of a difference. But, but maybe the Montreal team would. Like, I don't even know how you... Like, oh. So, just... So, Rob Manfred was like, this is a long-term play, which is important because the, the mayor of St. Petersburg said that he would not grant permission for talks with Montreal. <laughs> Because they have a they have a use agreement with the Saint, with Saint Petersburg until twenty twenty seven. So even if this somehow worked, it wouldn't be till twenty twenty eight. But just to fun play it out, say they make the postseason, it's oh, like God, <laughs> <laughs> they can't do the the two three two or the or the two two one that they do here. It'd be like the two three two would become the two two one 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 that they do in the the NBA and and the NHL. Meanwhile, all of the other playoff series are going on at the same time. Yeah, the yeah the 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 X rays or the the berets or <laughs> I was having really a lot of fun with reading those. Um, their their playoff series ends two three days later. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's waiting around for them. Uh, also, I just like to throw back to when the you remember how popular those games that Montreal uh, Expos played when they uh, in what was it Puerto Rico they played games. Ye- yeah, including one of them on Canada Day, which was one of the worst things ever, but continue. Uh, that really helped the popularity of, of the Expos in Puerto Rico. Well, no, it didn't. It didn't help anything. It helped nobody. Nobody wanted to go to the games. No one wanted to play them. This would be like that times 40. Yeah. So to answer your question, Jarrett, would it be a positive for baseball in Canada or come across as too much of a gimmick? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Both. It would be not much more of a gimmick than a positive, though. Yes. It would uh, be really silly. Ah, Okay. You want to hit me with question number two? Sure. This is from Joanna at Hamanchak. How do I stop this unending feeling of ennui surrounding this baseball team? According to Dictionary.com, ennui is a feeling of listlessness and dissatisfaction arising from a lack of occupation or excitement, which I had to look up before I answered the question. Um, how do I think this is actually the Toronto and we Jays? I think that's the team we're watching. Uh, I, I, I think you wait till next year. I honestly do. Yeah, I was gonna say if she could figure out the answer, let us know because we <laughs> haven't got that one yet. <laughs> we're gonna send it out to you, folks. Uh, if you haven't figured if you figured it out, uh, let us know in the tweets and we will broadcast the correct answer next podcast. Matt Sweeby at Blue Jay Matt. So, Brendan Drury, he's not good, is he? How long does he have before he's sent to Buffalo? It's tough watching him strike out by either flailing at sliders in the dirt or watching fastballs right down the middle. Is the Hap trade a complete failure already? So, the first part, they're talking about potentially sending him to the minors soon. Charlie Montoya was uh, discussing that earlier today. Again, we're recording this on Thursday. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> if Drew doesn't pick it up quickly, he, he might be by the end of the weekend. As for the, is the trade a complete failure already? No. It looks like one because he and McKinney have both been not good. But he and McKinney have also both been better than this before. So I think that they both have potential to turn around and be useful players. However, my complaint that I had when they made the trade still exists. There is no place on the roster for these two players. <laughs> Where are they supposed to play if Brandon Drury turns back into Brandon Drury and Billy McKinney turns into, you know, what they hoped maybe he could be? Well, what role is there? It, it, so in that aspect, it might be a failure of, of uh, planning for success as much as it is of, of, of the fact that uh, or not planning for the success. Uh, as much as it is a failure of the actual result. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the idea was that these guys would be starters until the kids came along, but they had to rush the kids up because the starters were no good. Socrates Brito hears you. 
He's mashing in Buffalo, by the way. Of course he is, because he's like, I think Socrates Brito might be the ultimate quad A player. Yeah, I can see it. You got a question for me? Yep. So this one comes from Zach Meyer at Zach B. Meyer. Should losing teams be lowering ticket prices to generate more fan interest? I just don't feel like paying good money for Jays games right now. Is that bad? Um, well, they are dynamically priced, so you're not going to be paying more for unpopular games. That's but they're not fair. going down. No. Um, there's a floor in Toronto, I believe, and, and unfortunately it's probably about 12,000 people a game, so I don't know if we're there yet. But there's a floor in Toronto for for Blue Jays attendance. We saw it from, oh, I don't know, what, 2006 through 2014? Um, and... Even if you lowered prices at that point, the team is not good enough to bring people to the ballpark, I don't think. I think that's the equation that they've they've kind of looked at as a as an organization. So while I agree that I would like lower ticket prices, I think that the the demand curve on that is the hardcore fans are probably gonna pay what they're gonna pay, and filling the building up doesn't get you to win more games. So take as much money as you can with the higher prices and hopefully wait for the team to get better. Yeah, I agree with everything you just said, but there is a, a long-term cost, I think, to this because people like Zach, you know, their interest in the team, well, maybe not Zach. Zach's asking a question on a baseball podcast. But... <laughs> Zach might, <laughs> might be an exception to this category you're about to describe. <laughs> <laughs> right, but people who have a passing interest in the team if they can't actually go to games, they'll lose interest in the team. And those are people that you may struggle to get back. I, I don't I don't think that that's enough of a, a group that it's going to make any team change their strategy. But I do think it's a it's a sad, sad thing to lo- lose potential fans of your club. And Zach, no, it's definitely not something you should feel bad about. No, not at all. I mean, if the product is bad, you shouldn't feel like you're suffering, paying to suffer through it. That's no, that that's in my opinion, that's totally not worth um, the trouble, as it were. Heated End asks, um, do they bring up Bichette before September? If they do, what happens to Sogard? Do you trade him or does he become a utility backup? Okay, so I read this question initially and i just laughed like trade eric sogard who's good eric sogard is mashing in the home run today <laughs> i don't get it he's now more than doubled his career high in home runs and it's june what 20th yes yeah he's three for three today with a walk <laughs> he's hitting 303 eric sogard is DHing and it's not crazy but I don't think anybody's going to trade anything for Eric Sogard. <laughs> He's still Eric Sogard. Yeah, as, as, as unreal as that seems, I, nobody's going to be sold on two and a half months of Eric Sogard as the answer to their super utility problem. Um, but <laughs> I just, it's like of all the times for a guy to come out and have a career year, when it's the most useless for the Toronto Blue Jays is when it happened. Oh, it's like Justin Smoke a couple of years ago. But uh, as for Bichette, I, I do think he'll be up before September since he's back now and playing. I mean, they have shown a willingness to bring these guys up. I've heard suggestion that the Jays don't want all these guys to be free agents at the same time, which you know Biggio, Bichette, and Vlad would be if they both if they all come up this year. I just think you need to see them in the bigs. And I, I think the team I think has decided that. Problem for six years from now. I agree. A hundred percent. All right. So yeah. Uh, next. You. From Brendan Panikar at Panikar thirty seven. Does Kawhi Leonard being in the Blue Jays game mean he's going to stay? In a hotel in Toronto tonight? Yes. Absolutely. Because who would fly home after this? <laughs> okay. He was watching the Angels though. And the team that that potentially is supposed to be the serious suit for him is the Clippers who play in Los Angeles. So, you know, that's a little tough, but he stay. He stay. Board, he stay. board man gets stayed. Uh, the board okay. man gets the Larry OB. 
<laughs> Jeff Campbell at Jeff Campbell 83. Fangraphs predicts the Jays to get the fifth overall pick in next year's draft. Is that enough of a prize to make up for this painful year? Or should they trade Stroman, Smoke, Giles, and Sogard to fight for the second pick? Our second trade Sogard for something question. <laughs> <laughs> There's oh. no recency bias here. But it's not I get though. I get it though. He's hitting really well. But um uh, no, the fifth overall pick doesn't make up for anything. It's not that good. No, but neither is the second overall pick. Well, depends on the draft, I guess. Yeah, everything depends on the draft class. But you know, the fifth pick is should be a good player for sure. But you know, that guy's not going to help you for three, four years. Is he assuming Baltimore is the first overall pick or Maybe Miami? Two. Baltimore, Miami, and the Royals are all below the Blue Jays. Yeah, it's tough to be bad. This is based on Fangraph's projections about where the season will end. But uh, I should they trade Stroman, Smoke, Giles, and Sogar? So I think they should absolutely trade Giles as much as it'll break my heart to happen because I love Giles. Everything about him is enjoyable. <laughs> but uh, he's a tremendous trade piece at the deadline. Closers, especially really good closers, bring a lot back. Stroman is the tougher one because unless they're getting like, – a real package of players for him. They don't have any pitching. <laughs> they need pitchers if they want to be good anytime in the next couple of years. But in the same breath, they don't seem on the verge of extending Stroman. Yeah. According to Stroman, they haven't even, they haven't even broached it with him, which is, you know, tells you that he's going to be traded. So confusing. And then suddenly yeah. something happens and it's not. My guess is that they've actually talked to his representatives about dollar figures and what Stroman's camp has brought out is nowhere close to what they're willing to pay. So they didn't actually engage in discussions. Indeed. Our last question. L. Ellie Yelly Hart. Sorry, I, I deked you there. Uh, yeah. This is because it's such an esoteric question. It's like way out there. If a player. <laughs> I love it, though. Only value was fouling off pitches, never getting a hit. And then, of course, eventually striking out. How many pitches per plate appearance would he have to face to have a value before you'd be willing to put him in the lineup? So it, she didn't say striking out. Just it's just not getting a hit. Now, if he has no defensive value, it's like 60. <laughs> per plate appearance? Fine. 25. Okay. Then at least theoretically, no, I think it's got to be over 30. But to have him on your roster, like you got that pitcher who's like at 80 pitches through five, you send this guy out to pinch hit. If he can, if he can see 20, 25 pitches per plate appearance, I think that that has value. Get a starter out of the game. Well, I think, though, you're underestimating that value. If, if really this guy can foul off an average just 20 pitches per at-bat. Um, no, that's seeing 20 pitches, not fouling off 20. But well, go ahead. seeing 20 pitches. If he, can, if, he can, if he can ramp up by 20 to maybe... 25 pitches per plate appearance um he's going to come up and you, you bat him lead off for sure <laughs> um it, which means that a starter doesn't get out of the first inning probably with less than 30 pitches <laughs> so almost certainly right and then of course if, if a couple of those those guys get hits uh starters being pushed into that 40 pitch range and and guy some managers won't push up a, a pitcher past the 40 pitch zone because of the injury risk or the perceived injury risk. And then he, he gets to do it again, potentially in the top of the fourth. So I, 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 I don't think you've earned a lead off, though, just because you're guaranteeing that your, your good hitters come up with an out. Yeah, but, but you're, you're, you're wrecking. <laughs> I, I, you know what? If it was, I would say, if you could 20 pitches per plate appearance, uh, I would, I would try it. I would just see how tortured it made. Um, an opening for a game, at least for a week. L, this is one of my favorite questions. I love this one. It's an awesome question. So do you have an, is your number really up at like 60? If he's going to have to be in the lineup, no, 60 is not, is crazy, but 30. 30. If he's in the lineup, it's got to be 30. If he's, if he can be off the bench, a guy to like just wear out a relief pitcher or something like that or push a starter out of the game, I'd accept 20. What if you batted him third? No, definitely not. Think about that, though. 
first two guys get out and he's like i'm almost out of this inning and then he's got to throw another 20 pitches just to retire the side it was just exhausting so this will be our follow-up question for next week is where we put this guy in the lineup because i think we've <laughs> talked about this long enough all right fair enough um <laughs> so weird and such a good question uh all right it's time the for... The Jays blew the lead, by the way. Of course they did. It's the 2019 Toronto Blue Jays. It's uh, time for one of these do-overs. I think that's rather brilliant. So no, I did good, no, right? That's... I mean, I always thought you'd get a... You know what I'm going to do over? I'm going to hit the button. <laughs> Oops. Say the quiet part loud and the loud part quiet. <laughs> but what if you could do it all over again? But what I really meant was... Ah, uh, Yes. We've, uh, the umpires union has n- not come to our attention before, but the umpires union has a Twitter account. Did you know that before this well, week? I'd forgotten. I did. I think I remember seeing one of them before. Okay, so um, the umpires union was not happy that Manny Machado uh, got a suspension, a, a minimal suspension for throwing his bat. Right? Yeah. And make he you know he got the suspension for bumping an umpire, bumping the umpire, and then he threw his bat afterwards. So. The tweet is formatted thusly. Um, There is a box with a picture of text below the actual tweet. And in the box, it reads, Manny Machado received a one-game suspension for contact with an umpire over balls and strikes and violently throwing his bat against the backstop with absolutely no regard to anyone's safety. Violence in the workplace is not tolerated and offenders are dealt with severely and even made examples of for the good of its employees as well as the company itself. Is this truly what MLB wants to teach our youth? Question mark. But the actual tweet is above. There are some hashtags, which I shall read. (laughs) Hashtag disappointed. Hashtag lead by example. Hashtag not appreciated. Hashtag violence. Hashtag temper tantrum. Hashtag inaction. Hashtag not tolerated. Hashtag make an example of. Hashtag one game suspension. Hashtag repeat offender. Hashtag nonsense. Hashtag MLB UA at MLB at Padres at Buster ESPN. So the hashtag nonsense really fits. (laughs) I think my favorite though is hashtag make an example of. Which they did not, they, they only capitalized the big words. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay. This is special. <laughs> There's so many things wrong. First of all, Kim, you told me that all of their tweets are formatted this way. Where it's like, the, or at least most of them that I've seen, where it's a picture of text with a bunch of hashtags, yes. So why not just put, the, okay, yeah, okay. So obviously they have more that they want to fit in the tweet than they can fit in the tweet, so they take a picture, I guess. That's a really weird way to use Twitter. They don't know what tweet change are? I mean, that's a thing. You can actually do that without even hitting a next tweet. Yeah, it automatically changes in when you reply to yourself. Um, okay, second of all, uh, so hashtags are <laughs> are for looking things up. So like when you hashtag see what's pod, under make an example of. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like what? How, how many times in the history has one game suspension as a hashtag been used? I'm not I'm not really sure. <laughs> Make an example of the tweet is just people replying to this Twitter and showing underpires <laughs> doing stupid things. <laughs> they really thought that one through. <laughs> so the other part, I guess, that I think is perhaps a completely tone deaf is um they're clamoring for some kind of discipline for many Machado that's appropriate. But umpires are subject to no public discipline process whatsoever in in the major leagues. None. Yep. Like, how how do you jive the fact that your members have have a completely um, invisible discipline system while you're out here stamping your foot about Manny Machado bumping an umpire? Well, the umpires aren't exactly known for their calm and rational thinking. <laughs> and whoever runs their Twitter account clearly Angel represents Hernandez, the umpires. Obviously. Uh, obviously, Angel Hernandez is running this Twitter account. Because <laughs> he's way off target and doesn't know how anything works. That's him but I think that it would show. also just be his, like a stream of curse words for <laughs> Angel Hernandez. Oh, wow. How many? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. 10, 11, 12 hashtags. <laughs> What's your do-over? It, uh, it got nicely ratioed. 
Oh, yes. Uh, 4.3 thousand responses, 356 retweets, and 1.3 thousand likes. Though I think some of the likes were just ironic I, bookmarking. I, I would guess that that was probably 90% of them. <laughs> Oh man. Special. Unreal. What's the do-over? <laughs> oh my god. Uh delete I, your account. Yeah, delete your, we haven't actually given that out before, but yeah. <laughs> delete your account. Hash sorry. Hashtag there you delete go. your account. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fitting end. Indeed it is. Do you, my good friend? <laughs> Uh, have a final thought? I do. So, we've been talking about trades a little bit on here with the Eric Sogard stuff. Um, <laughs> the only player worth trading. <laughs> I love it. I, I absolutely love it. Um, last year's big piece was supposed to be Josh Donaldson, and he ended up being traded for Julian Merriweather. Well, Julian Merriweather is finally on his way back from Tommy John. He's going to be signed to some affiliate, probably double A, maybe triple A, and he's hitting a hundred. That's useful. I thought for a second he was a hitter, just for a brief second, and I'm like, oh, well, my, that would yeah, be no. fitting with some of the other Blue Jays. That's the major league roster, though. That's not the minor leaguers, right? <laughs> <laughs> Except Eric Sogard, but yes, yeah, hundred miles an hour, which he didn't. He could touch it every now and then but apparently he's throwing harder which happens if you're getting measured before you have surgery because you're injured but yeah, naturally if, if you can throw uh uh nearly 100 with a tore up elbow maybe you can throw harder um naturally when rebuilt yeah yeah i mean but you know not all the guys come back throwing as hard david phelps certainly hasn't and uh, you know he's lost like two or three miles an hour from his pre-surgery numbers so the fact that Julian Merriweather, who was known for this really big fastball, has come all the way back is actually very encouraging, and I bet we'll I bet we'll see him in the majors this year. And I will not bet against you because again, um, we discussed the starting rotations numbers, and uh, one of us probably threw up a little in their mouth when we were doing that, <laughs> or both of us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so my, I don't have a Blue Jays final thought. I have uh, I have the Mets. Um, you know, everybody. The Mets have been a tire fire. They hired an agent as a general manager, which I'm still on that one. Um, they were having <laughs> problems with their pitching staff, so they decided that they would replace uh, their their pitching staff with some new pitching, people, including coaching staff. Coaching staff, the whole pitching uh, with yeah. um, Jeremy Accardo, by the way. That's not the one I want to talk about, but I, I haven't heard his name in years. Um, Old friend alert. Yeah, uh, he is he is their their pitching strategist which I've never heard of before. But in order to lead this pitching staff, they hired um, Phil Regan. Phil he Regan, was on staff already, but yes, they brought him down brought to the him. field staff now. Yeah, he's um, he's 82. Yeah, he was alive <laughs> during the Great Depression. Phil Regan, I, I made this point earlier because you were starting to... <laughs> Sing the lyrics to Meet the Mets um, <laughs> in our chat. Meet the Mets. Da, 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 da. Um, that song, if you've ever heard it, and if you haven't, go to YouTube and, and, and type in Meet the Mets and you can listen to the whole thing. Is there like fight song for their inaugural season? Uh, Phil was 24 years old and a sophomore pitcher for the Detroit Tigers when that song came out. <laughs> <laughs> what are the Mets doing? <laughs> they could have literally picked anyone in the world to be their pitching coach. Anybody. And they went, hey, this guy's been a teammate of Sandy Koufax. <laughs> Let's go with him. <laughs> he asked for the operator when he picks up the bullpen phone. <laughs> oh, it's great. I love it so much. Meet yeah. the Mets. <laughs> Step right up and greet the Mets. <laughs> it's not going to be tough to beat the Mets. Because... <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's like the next lyric is like, bring your kids, bring your wife. And now it's like, bring your great grandfather because he's coaching. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I literally don't know what they're doing. But I'm just going to say best of luck to Phil Regan um, in his everyday job traveling with the team at 82. Wow. Good for him. Yeah, good for him. Not necessarily for the Mets, but... 
All right. I made enough fun of another team while my team uh, sucks. Yeah, well, it's only tied. Could be worse. Uh, so this is the part of the show where I tell you that you were Joshua Housen at Joshua Housen. I was Greg Wisniewski at Coolhead 2010. And this was Artificial Turf Wars episode number 147. And if all the stars align, we'll talk at you next week. Let's are really sucking the ball. Knocking those holes